Chapter 18 of The Wishing Horse of Oz by Ruth Plumley Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Beth Thomas. Chapter 18 The Emperor's Horse Makes a Bargain. Bitty Bit's shooting tower had made a record trip to the Emerald City, and guided by the little seer of some summit, had come to a deft and dexterous stop right outside the windows of the great throne room. After a short, anxious look inside, and before anyone was aware of their arrival, Dorothy removed the lid from the box of the Powder of Darkness and threw a generous pinch into the air, plunging the Emerald City into an instant and thunderous dark. Under cover of this magic darkness, Dorothy, Pegasus, and Bitty Bit boldly entered the palace and singled out the white horse and his terrified master. They had fully expected some resistance, Dorothy had brought a long piece of rope, and Pegasus carried a stout club under his wing. But they were delighted to find the Emperor too frightened, and his white horse too clever, to resist an invisible foe. Being able to see in the dark themselves, they had Chalk and Scamperoo at a decided disadvantage. Dorothy's plans, now that they had actually returned to the Emerald City, were rather vague, but Bitty Bit knew just what he hoped and intended to do. His seerish powers had enabled him to discover that all the changes in Oz had been brought about by the magic emeralds, which in some way had fallen into Scamperoo's hands. And these emeralds Bitty Bit meant to have at the earliest possible moment. So first, he ordered all the windows and doors in the laboratory closed. And then, annoyed by the screams and crashes still issuing from every room in the castle, he advised Dorothy to put the lid back on the powder of darkness. "'But supposing someone disturbs us before we finish?' objected Pegasus, looking doubtfully at the tremendous warhorse, who stood with feet braced and ears back, ready to listen or defy them. Somehow Chalk had managed to toss Scamperoo back into the saddle, and with both hands fixed grimly in the horse's mane, the Emperor was blinking his eyes in a vain attempt to see them or catch a glimpse of Martia, for he was convinced that the merchant was at the bottom of the whole procedure. If we agree to lift this pall of darkness, will you agree to grant us an uninterrupted hour of your time? asked Bitty Bit, turning towards the Emperor, but really addressing the horse, whom he considered the better man of the two. I think we can, without undue danger, promise that, answered Chalk guardedly, while Scamperoo hemmed and hawed with indecision. Of course, you must promise to use no more magic against us. Well, same goes for you too, remember? put in Pegasus quickly. An hour's time and conversation, and no trickery. But who, who are you? muttered Scamperoo, finding his voice at last. I seem to hear three different voices. You'll soon see, answered Dorothy, clapping the lid on her powder of darkness. With a suddenness that made them all gasp, the laboratory was again flooded with the bright noon sunshine and in a determined row before him Scamperoo saw a pretty little girl in green, a fat pink pig with white wings, and a small wrinkled old gentleman in brown. Why, whinnied Chalk, drawing in a deep breath of relief, at first I thought you were enemies, but now I see that you are merely visitors and friends. That depends, observed Bitty Bit, seating himself on a tall stool that brought him on a level with Chalk's nose. I am the seer of some summit, but these others are Princess Dorothy and Pegasus the Winged Pig. They really belong in this palace, and are close friends of the rightful ruler of this country, Ozma of Oz. I am the rightful ruler of Oz, shouted Scamperoo, growing red in the face and thrusting out his three chins belligerently. Now oh, don't bother putting on a show for me, 
exclaimed Bitty Bit, waving his arms impatiently. Remember, I am a seer. I know all, I see all, and what is more, I tell all. You, my pretty fellow, are really the king of Scampavia, a small no-count country on the other side of the deadly desert. In some way, the long-lost necklaces of Lorna the Wood Nymph have come into your possession. With these necklaces, you have enchanted the people of Oz into believing you are their ruler. You have wickedly banished Ozma and her allies and counsellors, and unlawfully made yourself Emperor of Oz. That seems to cover everything, drawled Chalk, as Scamperoo turned from red to purple. Not everything, went on Bitty Bit, shaking his finger sternly under Chalk's nose. Kingdoms are not won and held by trickery, my friends, and we are here to see that those necklaces are returned, and the Kingdom of Oz restored to its proper rulers. And suppose we refuse, suggested the white horse in a bored voice. What then? Why then? Bitty Bit threw back his shoulders and spun round several times on his shiny stool. Why then? It means war. Bitty Bit did not say who were his friends or allies, or where he should get his armies, but he spoke with such firm confidence both Scamperoo and Chalk were taken aback, and completely dismayed. Martia had been bad enough, but this strange and determined little seer was worse. "'Perhaps we can make a bargain, or come to some agreement,' suggested Chalk, resolved to save what he could for himself and his master. "'Suppose King Scamperoo and I agree to return the emerald necklaces, which undoubtedly belong in Oz. Will you grant us the privilege of using them twice for ourselves?' "'But, but—' Scamperoo was about to blurt out the fact that they no longer had the necklaces, when Chalk gave him a savage nip on the leg which silenced him effectively. "'Why should we do that?' inquired Pegasus, fluttering his wings nervously. After all the grief and worry you have caused us, you're lucky to get off with your skins. Where are the necklaces now? asked Dorothy, stepping close to Chalk and looking eagerly up into the face of the discomfited Emperor. Scamperoo's face grew long as a balloon suddenly punctured, but remembering Chalk's last bite, he managed to keep silent. When you have answered our question, we will answer yours, stated Chalk firmly but pleasantly. You can, of course, appeal to the court and members of the household, but I think you will find them entirely satisfied with their present emperor and ready to stand by him to the last man. At Chalk's words, Bitty Bit looked rather crestfallen. As the white horse had so quietly stated, they were perfectly powerless to take the necklaces by force, and a quick inspection of the emperor, when he first reached the palace, had convinced him Scamperoo was not wearing the precious emeralds. At this rather embarrassing moment, a series of thumps, kicks, and knocks on the door made not only the rescuers, but the Emperor and Chalk turn rather pale. "'Oh, oh, it's Matya,' quivered Scamperoo, whose nerves were completely shaken by the shocking disclosures of the last few moments. "'Oh, oh, what'll we do now?' "'Hold your tongue,' advised Chalk, and swinging round he trotted briskly over to the door. "'Who's there?' he demanded in a dignified voice. "'Tis Ivor, the kitchen boy,' stuttered a frightened treble. "'I must see the Emperor at once.' "'Well, shall we let him in?' Bitty Bit looked uneasily at Pigasus and Dorothy, and then rather thoughtfully at Chalk. "'Suit yourselves,' yawned the white horse indifferently. "'It's probably a messenger telling us the pudding is cold, with all this delay and darkness. You asked for an hour's time and conversation, and we agreed to that demand.' So it is for you to decide what to do, not us. 
Oh, let him in, fumed Pegasus, and tell him to stop this yammering and hammering. What harm is there in a kitchen boy? So Bitty Bit, taking the key from the lock and squinting through the keyhole to assure himself that there was only a small boy outside, quickly admitted him. Now in darted Ivor, screaming loudly of a madman in the cellar and bursting into a tearful and incoherent recital of his woes. Scarcely had he got out two sentences before Scamperoo fell bodily off his horse and made a desperate snatch at the kitchen boy's throat. But Bitty Bit was too quick for him. His eyes, too, had caught the glimmer of emeralds, and jerking the three chains from the lad's neck as Chalk made a savage lunge forward, he tossed them to Pigasus. Catching them on his nose as cleverly as a trained seal, the pink pig spread his wings and flew up to the top of the hall cabinet, where he sat panting and puffing with satisfaction and defiance. "'Come down, you fat scoundrel!' roared Scamperoo, dancing up and down like a dervish, while the poor kitchen boy, outraged by the way both Scamperoo and Bitty Bit had rushed upon him, burst into loud sobs, and rushing out the still-open door, ran crying down the corridor. Slamming the door and locking it after him, Bitty Bit rather anxiously waited for Chalk's next move, and as usual, Chalk was quite prepared and ready to make it. Well, he observed with a jaunty flick of his tail, now that you have the famous wishing emeralds, I suppose you are satisfied, and we may as well go. Come along, Scamperoo, you will get nowhere in an argument with a pig. Just casting pearls before swine, you know, and he already has our emeralds. You mean your wishing necklaces? shrieked Pegasus furiously. And I'll tell you what I wish. I wish that you and your silly master were clams at the bottom of the Nonestic Ocean. Thoroughly shocked and startled by the pink pig's unexpected wish, Bitty Bit and Dorothy rushed toward the cabinet, hoping in some way to prevent the wish from taking effect. But they need not have worried, for of course nothing happened at all. Then Scamperoo, urged by Chalk, hastily climbed into the saddle. Well, whinnied the white horse, twitching his ears provokingly. Goodbye to you. Goodbye. We'll just be trotting along. Wait, look here, hold on a bit. The little seer of some summit stepped angrily in front of the white horse. How do these emeralds work? How are we to disenchant the rulers of Oz and restore Ozma to the throne unless we know the proper way to use these magic chains? I'm afraid that's your problem, sighed Chalk, rolling his eyes round at Scamperoo. Come now, my little mannequin, open up the door. We kept our promise and you must keep yours. After all, my master has done no real harm here. There has been no war or bloodshed. In fact, everything has been decidedly gay and jolly. If his laudable ambition to better himself brought Ozma and her counsellors a little well-earned rest, at least they have suffered no pain or unpleasantness, and are perfectly unaware of what has happened to them. Open the door, I tell you, or I'll call for help, and there are many in this palace who would gladly come to our assistance. Oh, oh what shall we do? wailed Dorothy, as Bitty Bit stood uncertainly with his back to the door. You're the horridest horse I've ever known. Well, that's all in the way you look at me, answered Chalk, staring steadily into Dorothy's eyes. You, my dear, are fond of your mistress, Queen Ozma of Oz and are trying to help her. I, on my part, am exceedingly fond of my master, the King of Scampavia, and am trying to help him. You can't blame me for that, you know. The creature is right, sighed Bitty Bit, and will have to agree to his plans, preposterous though they are. That would, of course, be the sensible thing to do. 
murmured Chalk, lowering his eyes modestly. You grant me two wishes, and I will tell you the proper way to use the magic wishing chains. But suppose they are bad wishes. I mean, Bitty Bit corrected himself hastily. Good for you, but bad for us. What then? With the necklaces in your possession, you could wish yourselves away in an instant. That, admitted Chalk, is perfectly true, but I'm afraid you will have to take that chance, and trust me. Never do it! Never do it! squealed Pigasus, who now had the necklaces tucked tightly under his wing. We might as well throw ourselves out the window. But Bitty Bit, closing his eyes and pressing his fingers close to his forehead, made no reply. I'll trust you, he said after a short silence, and opening his eyes he looked cheerfully up at the white horse. Hand down those necklaces, Pigasus, and be quick about it too. I hear footsteps in the passageway. Well, don't blame me if we're turned to pretzels and pumpernickel grunted the pig, dropping the necklaces into the seer's outstretched hand. Goodbye, all. Turning his back in disgust and covering his ears with his wings, Pigasus waited in fear and trembling for the end. But Bitty Bit quite calmly handed the emeralds to Scamperoo, and Scamperoo immediately draped them over Chalk's left ear. Now then, murmured Chalk, looking firmly back at the unhappy emperor. Repeat exactly what I say, and all will yet be well. I wish began Chalk, while Scamperoo listened with bulging eyes. I wish that the five wishes I make when we return to Scampavia shall be instantly granted. As Scamperoo repeated the wish and slowly started to count to a hundred, Dorothy fidgeted with uneasiness and Pegasus fairly groaned with alarm, for it seemed to them both that their danger had only been postponed and not averted. My second wish I will keep for our return, decided Chalk. Now, my dear, attend closely. Since you are an avowed friend of Ozma and live with her in this palace, it seems to me you are the one to keep safely the secret of the magic emeralds. Moving close to Dorothy, Chalk put his soft pink nose close to her ear and whispered several very hoarse sentences. Get it? Get it? Backing away exuberantly. Oh, is that all? Dorothy pushed back her hair in surprise and bewilderment. Why? Anyone could do that. Then prove it by sending us back to Scampavia, beamed Chalk, shaking his mane approvingly. It would be embarrassing for us to be here when Ozma and her friends return. Here, my child, take the necklaces and I'll do the wishing. Pegasus, now more interested than frightened, tried his best to see what Dorothy did after she clasped the emeralds around her neck, and the white horse solemnly wished himself and Scamperoo back in Scampavia. But before Chalk reached ten in his counting, there was a whiff and a puff, and except for a slight rustle in the air, no sign at all of the splendid white steed and his red-faced master. "'It works! It works!' exulted Bitty Bit, hopping about like a brownie. "'Can you do it again, my dear? All we need to do is to wish that the people of Oz shall be released from this wicked spell of forgetting, and then wish Ozma and all the others safely back to the palace.' "'Don't forget, high boy!' cried Pegasus, switching his little tail violently. He's gone too, you know, and don't forget Jinnicky and old Willie Green Whiskers. I'll remember, promised Bitty Bit. All ready, Dorothy? The little girl nodded, and Bitty Bit, looking and feeling more serious and important than he had ever felt in his whole life, slowly made the wish that was to restore peace and happiness to Oz. I wish, said the little sage sternly, that the wicked enchantment cast by Scamperoo upon the inhabitants of Oz be instantly dispelled. 
I wish that Ozma herself, the Wizard of Oz, the Red Jinn of Ev, the King and Queen of the Munchkins and their son, Prince Philidor, the King and Queen of the Gillikins and their giant horse, Glinda the Good Sorceress of the South, Nick Chopper, the Tin Emperor of the East, and the Soldier with the Green Whiskers, be immediately released from Thunder Mountain and restored to this palace. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. At seven, Pigasus, with a loud squall of astonishment, fell from the top of the cabinet, and Dorothy rushed joyfully forward, for now every chair around the wizard's table was occupied. At the head sat Ozma, calm and gracious as ever, at the foot the spry little wizard, and between all the others who had so recently lain at the bottom of Lightning Lake. Highboy stood over by the window, looking dreamily out across the garden, and none of them seemed in the least surprised or excited to find themselves in the wizard's laboratory. "'Let me see,' mused Ozma, raising her hand gravely. "'Ah, yes, we are here to discuss a threatened danger to ourselves and the Kingdom of Oz.' "'But it's all over now!' cried Dorothy, running over to Ozma and flinging both arms around her waist. "'It's all over, and we're safe, and you're safe, and my, how glad we are to have you back here again!' "'Here?' exclaimed the wizard, popping up like a startled jack-in-the-box. "'Where else would we be?' "'Only at the bottom of Lightning Lake and Thunder Mountain,' murmured Bitty Bit, coming modestly forward to meet the fairy ruler of Oz, and winking merrily at Jinnicky, whom he already knew. End of chapter 18